Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. There's an illustration. There was an old man who carried a little can of oil with him. And so he went everywhere, amen, he could to stop uh, different doors from squeaking. And so he poured a little oil on hinges. If it was a gate hard to open, he poured oil on that. He would oil latches. And so he went through life lubricating all the hard places and making it easier for those, amen, who came after him, amen. Uh, People called him eccentric, queer, cranky, odd, and others, amen, degraded him by saying other names. But the the old man went on steadily, refilling his oil can when it became empty and oiling hard places. He found, amen, he did not wait until he found a creaky door or a rusty hinge and then go home to get his oil. He carried it with him. There are so many lives, amen, that creak, amen, day by day. They're harshly treated. They need lubrication with oil of kindness, gentleness, or thoughtfulness. And so that can, amen, kind of oil, amen, is characterized by a Christian. And so the task of using it belongs to those who claim to be Christians. And so as the old man kept oil with him, so we need to keep, amen, oil as Christians of kindness handy. And so it does not do us any good to go home, amen, and get it. And this must be with us all of the time. How many of us know that there's people that are needy? And as we pour ourselves out for Jesus Christ, he's able to pour, amen, into us that we may fill others, amen, with his kindness, with his love and his compassion. And so 1 Samuel 16, 7 through 13 says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. So Jesse called, amen, Abinadab, amen, and presented him to Samuel. And the Lord hasn't chosen this one either, Samuel said. And Jesse presented Shimeon, but Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. After that, Jesse presented his seven sons to him. And Samuel told Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Samuel asked him, are there all your sons? Amen. Here, they're still the youngest, he answered, but right now he is tending sheep. Samuel told Jesse, send her him. He won't sit down until, amen, he gets here. So Jesse sent for him. He had beautiful eyes and healthy handsome appearance and the lord said anoint him for he is the one so samuel took a horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brother 
And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day forward. Then Samuel set out, amen, and went to Ramah. Amen. Let's pray this morning. God, we pray this morning that you would move, Lord God, upon your people. That we would understand, my God, that our lives are to be a life poured out for your kingdom. For your glory, my God, of my salvation. And as we pour ourselves out unto others, you will pour yourself into us, Lord God. And Lord God, fulfill, Lord God, our heart's desires, Lord God. For everything is found in you. Everything is found, Lord God, through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I want to say this morning, it wasn't stature or strength that God required. Nor it was it the willingness, amen, to go with Samuel to church that day. And so none of those boys spent hours alone with God the way that little boy did. And this little boy's name was David. None of them sang to God in the dark hours of the night with no one listening but a few restless sheep and heaven and the stars above. Samuel was instructed to call David and anoint him as a king God had chosen for himself because David had a heart for God. And so David had a heart, amen, of brokenness. And so God was the only one that can feel David's brokenness. And so we must grasp the concept that it's not until we are truly broken and spilled out that God can fill us. I remember when I got saved, I was I was broken. And just uh, remember just being a teenager. And I would go to church and I was like, ah, oh, that's just a bunch of religious hogwash. But as life went on, as life progressed, and I gave myself to sin, I was broken. And it wasn't until then that I, I came to know who God was. Because in my brokenness, amen, I was able to, amen, have a tender heart and God was able to pour himself into me. And so we must always have a heart of brokenness. How many of us know that God touches us? He, he repairs us. And we can lose a heart for brokenness. And so most of our struggles, amen, is that we try to serve God on our own strength. But it's the last thing that God notices in a person when he wants to use them or when he wants to pour himself into their life. And I want to say that God responds to brokenness. And so when I was broken, God was able to pour himself into me. And I've learned to, to have, amen, a humble heart, to be broken each and every day of my life. But God wants us to be broken, not so he can rush and save us, amen, like some kind of cartoon hero. And so brokenness makes room for God, amen, for him to release his strength through our weaknesses in order to accomplish his plans upon earth. Moses was another man God used in brokenness. Forty years earlier, Moses fled from Egypt, broken and confused. His pride, his zeal led him to murder an Egyptian 
It was beating one of his fe fellow Hebrews, amen, people. And so he escaped into a desert where he later married and started a family. And so he began herding sheep. And so he buried himself in his new identity and his new profession. Right down to the shepherd's rod that he carried. And so the rod was not only a tool, but it was a symbol, amen, of who he was and who he became. It actually became his security. It became his provider, amen, this rod. This is what he did. This is what he became. This was Moses' identity. So even it was, amen, just a dead stick, God had bigger plans for Moses that day. As he stopped him on the mountain and put a call upon his life. And so I want to say that that day, Moses' brokenness was complete. He was trying to fill his life, amen, with marriage. He was trying to fill his life, amen, with an identity that wasn't his. But when God found him, I want to say that he filled Moses with a purpose. And so the cries of the Hebrew people had come to the attention of God. It was a time, amen, of God equipping Moses to carry out his plan to deliver his people, amen, from an oppressive bondage in slavery. So Moses couldn't think how God would use him, amen, or his brethren would ever believe him, that God wanted them to be delivered. He questioned how God could possibly use him because of his limitation and his horrible past. So God instructed Moses to throw down the rod he held in his hand. And so when Moses dropped this, amen, that was a, amen, a release of his own identity and of his own strength. And so God gave him a demonstration of his ability to work with him, amen, and even, amen, use this dead stick for his purposes. I want to say that Moses was a broken man. He was filled, amen, with the power and presence of God as he threw down this rod, as he threw down this stick. And so God was able to use this man and set his people, amen, free that were in bondage. And so what are God's purposes on earth today? Men and women are desperately crying out for help all over the world, in this country, and even down the street from us. They might not be saying this to you or might not be displaying this physically. But I'm telling you, they're crying at night. They are in bondage. They are abused. They're oppressed. They're misused. They're hungry. Some of them are alone. They're forgotten. And they're crushed. Such was my life, amen, till I met Christ. And so we might not be able to hear their cries, but I want to say that God does. He hears their cries. He hears the cry of the oppressed and the unsaved. Are people in bondage today? Are, are they desperate for freedom? To an end of torture and suffering? Are they crying out to God that, or a God that they don't even know? Does, do they desire, does God desire, amen, to use you and I to break their chains? 
And I want to say, yes, he does. But the question is this morning, are we willing to interrupt our lives and our routines enough to become humble before God so he can use us to reach them? Jesus went out of his way to touch such a woman that was in bondage. Jesus and his disciples traveled through Samaria on the way to Galilee. They stopped at the well, amen, in the Samaritan town of Sychar. And so the disciples were hungry, so they went into the city to buy some food. But Jesus decided to stay at the well. And so a local woman walked up, amen, to get some water. And so Jesus asked her for a drink of water. Since Jesus was a Jew and had no dealings with Samaritan, it was a surprise that Jesus spoke to her. Because Samaritans were half-breeds. Amen. And so Jesus began to tell her about her life, how many times she had been married, and in fact, that the man that she was with living right now was not really her husband. And so Jesus, into her life, prompted her to acknowledge, amen, that he was a prophet. So she began to, amen, respond, amen, as so many of us, of us tend to do. She started religion, discussion, in hope of deflecting, amen, the attention off of her. She started talking about Samaritans and Jews and the correct way of worshiping. But Jesus again brought the intention back to her. The fact that she was not truly a worshiper of God because she was not worshiping God, amen, with her whole heart. He told her there is a time coming and now is here when the true worshipers of God, amen, the Father will worship in spirit and in truth. And he, go, he went on to say, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. And so you say, you can say that she, he read her, amen, outlook box. He read her Gmail. He read her Instagram. Jesus Christ, amen, knew everything about her. He read her Snapchat. How many of us know that Jesus Christ knows everything about you? Even though you took that picture and you deleted that thing that you did or it went away automatically, it's still recorded. Amen. Jesus Christ knows it. Amen. God knows it. And so he starts revealing, amen, her whole life before her. And so at this time, the disciples come back. And they wonder why Jesus, amen, is talking to this woman. And so it wasn't a custom for, amen, Jews to talk to, amen, non-Jews or half-breeds. And so, amen, they chose not to ask. Because sometimes, amen, you don't ask your pastor, your, amen, your leader, why are you doing something? So they didn't ask. And so when Jesus told the woman that, the Messiah, that he was the Messiah, she got too excited to care about getting water from the well. She left her water pot behind, and she ran into town telling everybody what she had experienced. And so the Samaritans only followed the first five books of the Bible. 
And so they desired more. And so when the men, amen, heard her words, they went to see Jesus for themselves. And so when the disciples, amen, went to town, I want to say they didn't bring back somebody that needed to be healed. They didn't bring back somebody, amen, they raised from the dead or a demonic that they had set free. The only thing they brought back was lunch. When the Samaritan woman went to town, the whole town followed her back. The only things the disciples brought back to Jesus was a happy meal. But this woman, she brought back souls. Hudson Taylor said this about the Samaritan woman. Some are jealous of being successors of the apostles. I'd rather be a successor of the Samaritan woman, who while the apostles went for meat or for lunch and forgot souls, she forgot her water pot in the zeal to spread the good news. As, as more people from the town gathered around Jesus, the disciples encouraged Jesus to eat. John 4.32 says this, But I assured them that I have food, nourishment to eat, of which uh, you know nothing and have no idea. Amen. John 4.34 says this, And Jesus said to them, My food, nourishment, amen, is to do the will, the pleasure of him who sent me, and to accomplish and complete, amen, finish his work. Amen. And so while the disciples wanted to fill their bellies with food, I want to say that Jesus wanted to fill, amen, that whole city, what revival. He went there. Amen. For that purpose. And so some of our churches, amen, have become like that today. We have no room, amen, to be filled with God. We sit and receive until we are full to our ears, belching in our lazy boy pews with our remote controls, flipping through what we like and what we don't like in service. Too stuffed, amen, to have room for anything. A lot of times we don't have any passion anymore. I want to say the 12 disciples could miss it. You and I can certainly miss, amen. Amen. Or are capable of taking for granted God's goodness. How many of us know that we're, sh we're called to share the gospel? We can easily become too full of ourselves, amen, to... And we must be emptied out by seeking God in our brokenness. We must never forget, amen, where Jesus Christ found us. Psalms 51, 1 through, sorry, 12 through 19 says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners shall be converted and returned to you. This is... um. Actually, David speaking, he goes on to say, Deliver me from blood guiltiness and death. O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Your righteousness and your justice. How many of us know that God cleanses us each and every day? How many of us know that he pours his life into ours each and every day? 
And so, yes, I understand this scripture. Uh, it, it is David speaking out of him sinning against God with this woman Bathsheba and actually committing murder. But I want you to think about that God washes us. He's good to cleanse us. Amen. And we must have a grateful heart. And David goes on to say, Oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall flow forth your praise. He's, he's talking about telling about the goodness of God. Telling to other people, you delight not in sacrifice or else I would give it to you. You find no pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, the sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, broken down with sorrow for sin, and humbly and thoroughly pa uh, patient. Such, O oh God, you will not despise. And we must not forget that we're all sinners. Do good. In your good pleasure to Zion, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then, then will you delight in the sacrifice of righteousness, justice, rights, with burnt offerings. Amen. And the whole burnt offering. Then the bullocks will be offered upon your altar. Believer's commentary says this. It says, Lord, I am not depending on rituals or ceremonies for forgiveness. I know that you are not, amen, a ritualist. If I thought you wanted animal sacrifices, I would bring them to you. But burnt offerings does not delight your heart. It is the true that you, amen, instituted sacrifices as an offerings, but they never represented your ultimate idea. It goes on to say, and so I come to you with a broken heart that is sacrifice you required. You will dis not despise this shattered and contrite heart that I bring to you. And now, Lord, I want to pray for your dear people as well for myself. Be pleased to shower them with good things. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. My sins have doubtlessly hindered the progress of your work. I have brought reproach upon your people. Now may your cause, amen, move forward without hindrance. Amen. When we all walk in fellowship with you, confessing and forsaking our sins, then we shall be uh, pleased with you. Our sacrifices of righteousness, offerings that speak complete of dedication to yourself with gladness, your heart, will gladden your heart. We will offer bulls on your altar in praise to God, who forgives, uh, who the forgiveness of sin and pardons iniquity. God is looking for people, amen, that will not lose their passion, amen, people he can bless, amen. And so the more that God blesses us, how many of us know that we should get hungry? Or we should get hungrier for God. The more passionate, amen, we should become for his will. And so as we become more passionate, as he pours into us, as we pour out, amen, he's able to pour his power, amen, into us. He's able to release it because we'll be a people that are emptying ourselves out of our, amen, of our own selves. And so just as Jesus knew everything about this woman at the well, I want to say that he knows everything about you. 
But if you allow yourself to become broken and spilled out before Him, He can cleanse you, He can use you, He can fill you with His love, amen. And so He will remove every heavy burden, amen, and repair what has been wasted. There's, t- there's times, amen, even in my Christianity, I, th- I, th- I say to God, God, use me more. Have I wasted too much time? And we have to have a heart like this because how many of us know we, we can waste time? It's, it's not only because of this woman, she's a sinner, but it can be us too, that we're wasting time for Jesus. And so the woman at the well had wasted years of her life in regret. And I want to say that one touch from Jesus, she was set free and she was used for eternal kingdom purposes. Philippians 2, 17 through 18 says this. But even I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all in the same way you should do also be glad and rejoice with me. And so this is Paul speaking. Paul compares himself to a drink offering. It is a type of offering familiar in both the Old Testament and the Greek, uh, Greco-Roman culture. And so this involved, amen, a pouring out of wine, either onto the ground or here, amen, as an animal sacrifice or grain offering. And so this is a vivid illustration of a life poured out for the service of God. And so Paul is telling the Philippian church that they too, amen, are a sacrificial offering. And they should do the same, amen, to uh, emulate Paul's joyful service to God. And so this is a letter that Paul is writing to the Philippian church at the end of his life. Think about this. To live a life poured out for others as he has emptied out himself for them. Paul gave a lot. Amen. For the winning of, the, of, the, of souls uh, to the gospel. He gave, out, he gave his whole life. He poured out himself. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. His life was full of religion. And so Jesus met this man on the Damascus Road. And so he changed everything about him. Think about this. This man is a Pharisee. His father is a Pharisee. And no doubt his grandfather is a Pharisee. And so he's, he's going through the religious rhetoric of serving God. His own way, his life. They followed the law. But this wasn't pleasing to God. And so when Jesus Christ met this man on the road, when he had an encounter with Jesus, everything changed about his life. The Pharisees were all about themselves. About keeping the law, looking good on the outside, but not on the being right in the inside. And so Paul gets saved. And so with this zeal that he had 
Amen. For the Pharisee, he uses the same zeal for God's kingdom. And so he starts pouring himself out on people. And he even, amen, goes all the way to be imprisoned and put to death for his faith. And so Paul lived a life that was being poured out for other people. He was a man, amen, that was full of religion. But now, amen, he lives a changed life. And that's all Paul knew to do was pour himself out. Because Paul had given himself to, to the religious rituals. And Paul realized, amen, that he was, he was really not right with God because he wasn't circumcised in his heart. He wasn't really living for God, amen, in his heart and in his life. Just like the woman we read, she, she uh, served God. She came to this mountain to worship God. But her life wasn't right before God. And the same thing, amen, Paul realized when he met Jesus Christ. He, he, he wasn't, he was, uh, amen, willing to humble himself and give himself to others. And so I want to say this morning, as we pour out our lives for other people, we will find true fulfillment, amen, and purpose in life. And that's what all these people found, amen. David, I spoke about David. I spoke about Moses. I spoke about the Samaritan woman. And I spoke about Paul. And so all the other people, amen, that I spoke about, amen, you can say we're truly broken. But Paul. And think about this. Paul was broken. And he was full of pride. And so God put a thorn in his flesh. And Paul asked God to remove it, and he says no. He told him, my grace is sufficient enough for you. And so I, I preached a sermon about that a, a while back ago. But sometimes, you know, God will put things in our life, and we can't break through them. Or we can't escape them. And a lot of times it's because God is trying to humble us. He's trying to bring us to this place Amen. Over and over in our lives, will we will we'll, uh, humiliate ourselves or come to God in humility and He can use us, amen, for His kingdom purposes. And so that's what God had to do with Paul. He had to break him and for the rest of his life till he died. And there was a thorn in his flesh. God used him for His kingdom, His purposes. But I want to say that this man lived a life of humility. All these people that I spoke about lived a life, amen, poured out for Jesus Christ. And so God was able to pour out to them, into them, amen. And a life poured out. Can I have every bit head bowed and every eye closed? You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.